today's World Insight. The St. Petersburg International Economic Forum opens on June 14th. Despite U.S.-led sanctions on Russia, are there still international investors going for Russia's premier economic forum? Hello and welcome to World Insight with me, Tianwei. This year's St. Petersburg International Economic Forum takes place from June the 14th to the 17th. Once labeled as Russia's answer to Davos, the forum attracted investors and politicians from around the world. But this year, it's going to be very different. Only delegations from the non-Western economies will be there, like India, China, Saudi Arabia, and others from the Middle East. The theme of this year's forum is sovereign development as the basis for a just world and places an emphasis on technological sovereignty. For more about this year's St. Petersburg International Economic Forum, we have three panelists joining us from different parts of the world. For the St. Petersburg International Economic Forum in Moscow, uh, Yuri Tavrovsky, chairman of the supervisory board of the China Institute, Russian Academy of Sciences. In Singapore, Jim Rogers, chairman of Rogers Holding. In Beijing, Liu Zhixian, senior researcher at Chongyang Institute for Financial Studies with Renmin University of China. Gentlemen, welcome to the program. Mr. Rogers, uh, many Western participants uh, of the St. Petersburg International Economic Forum might be absent this year. Well, you're right. I'm absent. I usually go to the forum and always have a good time and learn a lot. Uh, so you're right. Many Westerners, especially, will not be able to go. It's the same because I'm in favor of dialogue. Well, uh, you know, this is the 20th uh, St. Petersburg Economic Forum, and uh, it will be uh, working in a completely different situation. Uh, because for the past, uh, say, 20 years, uh, this forum was sort of open window to the West, mostly uh, Europe, uh, because uh, since uh, dissolution of the Soviet Union, we were, Russia was uh, developing, uh, let's say, according to reforms and opening up uh, which was uh, Western-oriented uh, way of uh, development. But after the war in Ukraine started, and all those sanctions started, uh, Western countries um, started to sanction Russia, and it helped us uh, to go to a new development pattern, Focusing also on the business and economic ties, now, of course, uh, with the Russian-Ukraine conflict, we see a, a sea change of uh, both the atmosphere and also the content of trade and uh, economic ties between Russia and the West. So how do you see uh, you know, the nature of this change? What does that mean for others? Well, it's having major effects. For one thing, it's driving people away from the U.S. dollar. I'm an American, so I don't like to see that, but more and more people are realizing we have to find something to compete with the US dollar. But also it's helping Russian agriculture 
I mean, Russian farmers are, don't have so much competition. So fertilizer, seeds, everything, Russian agriculture is actually benefiting. Many parts of the Russian economy are being helped and certainly pushing Russia and China and other countries closer and closer together. Trade and economic issues, Mr. Liu, tell me more about your thoughts on, uh, you know, from the St. Petersburg International Economic Forum to the bigger picture, uh, where do you think we are moving to? Only when this uh, uh, forum is getting started, I think this is already tell the rest of the world it's a good success, no matter what the consequences, how many participants will take part in. Because the purpose and the aim of this forum is only to strengthen the economic ties. So as we know that this forum will show again that how important for the inclusiveness, cooperations, mutual understandings and mutual benefits. So this is very essential for economic ties. As we know, this forum means economic forum. We should not be putting this forum weaponized or politicalized. Even they have some geopolitical tension, but we still need corporations to recover the world economy. So this is the basic principle. As I know that some Western companies, even in European countries, they are really willing to go there, but they don't dare to go there. They are, they are afraid of to be punished in the future by the local government. But I think the time is the best to rescue all these problems. Hmm. Uh, talking about the uh, trade and economic uh, changes, uh, Mr. Tavrovsky, how is Russia economy holding on so far? You know, the uh, last year after the war started, there was a great shock after all those sanctions started and their supply and trade chains were broken. Uh, but uh, uh, one year later, I can say that the situation stabilized and uh, we'll have uh, some uh, GDP surplus this year. Uh, and uh, the living conditions are the same. You know, uh, my family, my son's family, they don't feel any any change. If you look at different news uh, reporting about the forum, there are very different tones. Uh, it could be black and white, as different <laughs> as that. Uh, and certainly there are propaganda of different sides. Uh, putting that aside, let me go to you, Mr. Rogers. Uh, the state of Russia's economy as you see it. Well, from my contacts in Russia, and I obviously cannot go to Russia now, but as Yuri said, everything is getting better. It got very, very bad in the beginning, but now things are reviving. And to repeat, some parts of the Russian economy have actually been helped by this agriculture. The Russians don't have to compete with foreign agriculture now. And they're right there on the Chinese border. So many ties between China and Russia are getting stronger. So this is actually helping some parts of the Russian economy uh, America may have made a mistake when they thought they could punish Russia. Mr. Rogers, I understand uh, uh, Turkey and some of the Middle Eastern companies are looking at the uh, vacancy that has been left there in the Russian business uh, map and thinking about whether they want to fill in the boils. So do you see there is a possibility for that? 
actually many Chinese companies are trying to have closer economic ties with the Turkish and other Middle East companies also to have a joint uh, efforts to stimulate and promote the business with Russia. As we know that the Russian is very strong in high technology, also in space technology, in agriculture, in energy supply. So the supply chain and the industrial chain are still quite strong. As Mr. Rogers already said, the basic economic situation in Russia is still stable and also sustainable because they're doing the survive is the priority for the economy. When they survive, they can further develop. So this is the best way, I think, for Russia to keep contact with all other countries, friendly countries. Even for those unfriendly nations, they can try to help them to understand the nation, to understand Russia in order to get a better understanding and provide more favorable and friendly business conditions for all investors. I think the Russian people need a lot of things transformed or reform in administration, in also this uh, in the local government uh, business management, in order to get a better idea, better picture for the foreign investors. Mr. Rogers, how do you see the reality that business and economic ties these days are pretty much has a strong layer of politics and geopolitics, uh, much more than before? What does that mean for business communities around the world? Well, it certainly means, well, let's just go back to Russia at the moment, for instance. And many people love the fact that there are sanctions on the West because that means they don't have to compete with the West. If you were a Chinese company and you wanted to do business in Russia, and you realize, oh, I don't have to worry because I don't have to compete with the Western car companies or the Western computer companies. Or but cetera. at the so same time, is, there's danger of sanctions, of course against those companies that are dealing with Russia, if you look at reality? Well, there are certainly many Chinese companies doing business in Russia, and they don't seem to be worried about Western sanctions, and I don't think they would, would need to worry about Western sanctions, and other countries as well. I mean, India, Iran, Brazil, there are countries that are doing business in Russia, not well, then maybe they care about the sanctions, but they don't care enough to stop doing business. So it actually helps companies like that because they don't have to compete with the West. I mean, Tenway, if you didn't have to compete with IBM or Microsoft, you'd be very happy if you were in the computer business. So this is having a major effect in some foreign countries. It's helping some foreign countries. It's not hurting them. And, and many countries about the U.S. dollar, many people are very worried about the U.S. dollar now because America, if they get angry at you, they take you. They say you cannot use the U.S. dollar. Well, that is not helping America. I have teenage children, and they are not going to be benefiting from the fact that people are now looking for something else besides the U.S. dollar. It may be the renminbi, for all I know, but people are more and more rapidly looking for something to compete with the U.S. dollar because of America's sanctions. How do you see the general picture in the world beyond what we are talking about, St. Petersburg International Economic Forum, but rather the bigger picture that uh, business and economic communities have to now uh, deal with much more geopolitics than they used to be? What does that mean for them? Well, actually, you're exactly right. That's very insightful of you because 
30 years ago, people didn't think too much about things like this. But now, in the recent years, Washington, if they get angry at you, they put sanctions on you, they cut you off from the dollar, they cut you off from American companies, and people are having to adjust to a non, where the U.S. is not so powerful, number one, as they were once before. We have to worry. The U.S. has to worry about China. The U.S. has to worry about a lot of other nations now that they never paid any attention to before. Mr. Liu, uh, the West, some of those in the West are trying to uh, put China in the same category with Russia, or Russia in the same category with China, trying to compare the two as uh, <laughs> suggesting they are similar or the same. But of course, uh, from China's perspective, what we are facing is a very different picture. On the one hand, we are promoting multilateral cooperation. I mean, China is aspiring to promote multilateral cooperation. On the other hand, China also needs to deal with the uh, uh, some kinds of decoupling, at least some in the West are trying to provoke. Uh, well, China keep on emphasizing uh, coupling with the rest of the world, working with the rest of the world, higher growth uh, uh, development, and also uh, reform opening up, uh, opening the door to international businesses. So how do you see this uh, misconception of uh, equaling Russia to China, equaling China to Russia? I should say that you have mentioned so many points regarding the misconception about China's picture or image in the world. Actually, I should say all this misconception is artificially made by Western media or Western uh, politicians. Because as, as we know that China's state policy in the past 70 years, that we are non-aligned country, that we hope that to be friends with all uh, different nations, no matter what system they have. So that's why China has always so good connections and uh, cooperations with the United States, with the, with the European countries in the past. With Russia, we have a traditional relation before. So there's no doubt that, that Russia is a very good, important neighbor in China. As we always say neighbor cannot be moved or removed by some special means, that we should keep good context and the relations in, with Russia. This is also a complementary point from economic ties. Quoting a senior Chinese economic uh, official talking recently in Shanghai during a financial forum, international financial forum, suggesting that he used an analogy, suggesting that uh, at times uh, partners could have different opinions. And one party of the partner might say, I want to cut the tie off with you. But the other party, Mr. Rogers, if sentimentally and emotionally say, okay, let's do it. Then the tie between the two will be cut off. However, if the other party are more sophisticated or should be, shall we say, having a calmer mind and suggest that this relationship is going to be good for the long term for both parties, then uh, there might be chances that uh, this relationship will not be cut off out of emotional choices. Uh, and the I, party that suggests about the cutting off this relationship will eventually realize there is significance of it, and why not coming back or maintain the earlier ties? That's an analogy used by 
a Chinese senior economic uh, official recently during a conference in Shanghai at the Lu Jiazui Forum. I was there, I listened to him, and I, I see this analogy very relevant. Uh, but I don't know about uh, how you feel about this. How do I feel about it? I'm very, very keen for everybody to talk because it does eventually lead to relations again. Once upon a time, America and Japan were at war. Now they're great friends, great trading partners, etc. So as far as I'm concerned, as I say, even if people want to shout at each other, at least they're talking to each other and cutting off is just absurd because it goes nowhere. You know, for many years, Russia was completely cut off from the rest of the world. Now they're talking to people and many people are going to St. Petersburg. I'm not because I'm an American, but I wish I could. It's certainly all of this is good. <laughs> In the end, it's good for China because China says it's continuing to open up and that will bring more people to China. Uh, tell me more about um, how do you see uh, the uh, internal discussion in Russia about how to proceed with the economy uh, in the short term? Uh, well, uh, uh, there are people, pretty influential people, who insist uh, that um, uh, some uh, Soviet experience uh, should be revived. We should have more planning more uh, social, socialist, uh, let's say, or uh, state-owned uh, uh, factory, state-owned sector of the economy should be expanded. Uh, and uh, at the same time, uh, the government uh, uh, doesn't uh, look like uh, going that way. Uh, there are several schools of thought uh, and uh, external pressures of uh, influencing our internal uh, economic discussions. Uh, there are still many people who believe in uh, uh, American way, uh, who have uh, illusions of uh, possibility of reconciling uh, with America after almost uh, 30, 40 years of well, after Soviet Union um, collapsed. Uh, but. Uh, Look, uh, there are realities. We want uh, to have relations, but they uh, squeeze us out, both America and Europe. So um, I think that a realistic view will win sooner or later and will be more self-reliant, uh, at the same time developing relations with friendly nations like China, India, Turkey, other nations. And, uh, well, uh, let uh, the West uh, uh, develop uh, on their own and God help them. I see. So you're describing a very interesting internal discussion taking place inside Russia. We have very limited information, of course, about what's going on inside Russia. Mm -hmm. This uh, St. Petersburg International Economic Forum might provide people with a window uh, for yes. uh, this uh, uh, closer observation, shall we put it that way. Uh, Mr. Liu, uh, going to you, looking at uh, China's neighborhood, especially Central Asia, and of course uh, uh, with Russia, how do you see China's vision in generally in the region, uh, especially economic and trade ties here I'm talking about, because today our topic is not about geopolitics. We should say that in the past 
several centuries that China has really very good and close connections, and especially trade ties with the Central Asian countries. As we know that uh, we, we call the traditional one uh, in the history of the so-called uh, the Silk Road, always mainly mentioned that the major road is uh, come through the uh, Middle uh, Asian countries. This is a very good connection of joint join the points that between China and the uh, European uh, continent. So in this way that uh, China's vision for this country that they are important partners and also uh, for China, also we have very good close historical uh, uh, trust with each other. And uh, secondly, all these trade relations between China and these region nations are complementary that we have already a very good connection in supply chain and the industrial chain. And the third, that from people's exchange between these uh, regions that we have very closely exchanged with the local uh, people, we understand and support with each other. That's why that the Middle uh, Asian countries has very good diplomatic relations with, uh, with uh, China. As I know that some uh, countries state the chief is also my school colleague in Beijing University for language, you see. So he now is not be becoming the president of the, the country. So we have so many good culture, uh, historical and scientifically, technical exchanges between other. The main point for us is that we have mutual trust. We have mutual understanding. This is the basic for further cooperation. That's why we till, till now that we don't have any fundamental conflicts or uh, contradictions with each other. Mm. We see China and Russia has been uh, actively, both have been actively engaging with Central Asian countries. Now, uh, what is that picture saying to you, uh, Mr. Tabrowski, Professor? Uh, yes, Russia and China are actively uh, cooperating in Central Asia. Uh, which used to be, uh, you know, monopolized by Soviet Union, but after uh, Soviet Union collapsed and after 30 years of following the Western uh, way of development, Russia is weaker now, and there is a certain vacuum of uh, influence of power in Central Asia. That's why a new great game started, and. Uh, there are not only Russia and China actively participating in this big game, but also the West. Uh, the uh, European Union, for example, have quite recently announced a plan of uh, contributing 600 million euro uh, to this European Silk Road. And uh, uh, because of uh, uh, activities of non-government organization funded from uh, the West. There are now uh, anti-Russian, anti-Chinese um, feelings in uh, those countries, especially in Kazakhstan. Uh, I visited Nazarbayev University, a new university in their capital, where they, uh, there are announcements, uh, speak only English, please. And so uh, there is a new generation of politicians, business people, uh, academicians 
which were influenced by the West. And so now I think that Russia, Russia and China should somehow cooperate uh, in filling uh, this vacuum. Uh, Russian military uh, presence is a very active thing to this military organization. But uh, economically, Russia doesn't have that much capital to be invested. Well, China has, and Chinese initiative of uh, Belt and Road is uh, very positive, very prominent. So I hope that Russia and China will not have any competition, but will have cooperation in this part of the world, which is also part of the uh, global Cold War. Mr. Rogers, uh, how do you see the roles of others? For example, Turkey, uh, India, and some of the other economies, uh, for example, from uh, Saudi Arabia and the Middle East uh, that are present at the International Economic Forum in St. Petersburg. What are likely to be their roles uh, in terms of their interaction with Russia and also with that region? Uh, you make some very good points and good, good observations. You know, there are only less than 50, maybe only 30 countries that support the U.S. for sanctions against Russia. So there are many people that see this as an opportunity. The Middle East is changing dramatically. The Middle East is coming much friendlier with China and with Russia. I mean, the Russians and the Saudis are actually cooperating on the production of oil. So there are major changes taking place. Of course, that's always true. But especially now, there are many people that are getting closer to China and to Russia because of some of the things that are happening in the world. So I wish I were in St. Petersburg, but I know many, 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 I'm American, so I cannot, but many, many people in many countries do not support American sanctions. And I presume they're in St. Petersburg doing business, making money, making prosperity for their people. I wish we were. Very interesting picture, certainly there, both at the St. Petersburg International Economic Forum and also outside. For now, I want to thank the three of you for joining us on this discussion. Uh, Yuri Tabrovsky, Jim Rogers, Liu Zhichin, thank you. Our discussion on St. Petersburg International Economic Forum. With that, we're coming to the end of today's edition of program. You can always find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm Tianwei on behalf of my team. Thanks for watching. I'll see you later. I will be in St. Petersburg covering the event and bringing you more news as it happens. Bye for now.